0: Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday evening, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at bottomguncoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my new book. It's called You Have the Watch, and it's available for sale on my website and on Amazon. I'm really excited about this new book because it's actually not a book. It's a guided journal for leaders that will take you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you will reflect on a different facet of that theme. It's based on my successful first leadership book called I Have the Watch. But this is a journal, and it's designed to be on your desk uh, for you to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Now, leadership skills are just like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. And this journal helps you practice those skills. So if you're interested in this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com or Amazon and pick up your copy. Now, if you're looking for other ways to support what I do on this show, purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com. Podcast listeners can use the discount code DEEP at checkout to get additional savings. Well, that's it. Today, my guest is Jerry Adams, and I'm excited for you all to meet him. He is a veteran leader in the steel industry who started from the floor, worked his way up to the corner office. Throughout his career, the mills that he has led have produced record levels of performance, and he's done it the right way by unlocking the power of his people. He also runs a website called Men of Grit, where he teaches men what it takes to make an extraordinary impact in their world. I consider Jerry a friend and someone who fits the description of a leader worth following. I know you're going to love this discussion, so are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jerry Adams. Jerry is a veteran leader in the steel industry. He is a guy who steel mills call when they need to improve operational results. What I love about Jerry is he doesn't just focus on the results; he focuses on people. He knows that people will ultimately deliver amazing results if they're properly supported and motivated. He knows this because he's been there. He started his career from the bottom and worked his way up. He is the founder of Men of Grit, where he teaches men what it takes to make an extraordinary impact on their families, their jobs, and their community. And I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about how grit and perseverance can help us all become better leaders. So Jerry, welcome to the show.
1: Well, I appreciate it, thank you, John. Um, Really appreciate everything you're doing, your podcasts, I listen to them all the time, your books, I've read them, Uh, just appreciate it. The discussions that you and I have, I don't know how many times I walk away I'm fired up. I'm I'm driven to become a, even a better leader, so I enjoy these conversations and I'm looking forward to this
0: one. Absolutely, Jerry. You know, and, and and the reason I wanted to have you on the show is because you're you're in the trenches and you're doing it. You know, a lot of people are authors, they're writers and they talk about leadership from a theoretical standpoint. You're you're in it every day like myself. You're a practitioner and that's those, those are the type of people I want to have on the show because I think you share really important knowledge in the field of leadership because you're actually doing it. And so I did a quick intro on you, but tell our audience what you do in the steel industry.
1: Okay. Yeah. Right now I'm uh, leading from a position of general manager over a steel division, um, roughly 450 people uh, there. So 450 teammates. Um, I always look at my role. My role is a support role. I'm, I'm here to open doors for people create situations where people around me can be more successful than they ever thought they could be. And that's that's kind of my drive um, in, in leading, been in the industry since 1988. So mm. as you mentioned, started at the bottom and, and worked my way up. So I've spent a little bit of time in just about every operation in steelmaking, um, both from a maintenance perspective and an operations perspective. So long time.
0: Well, I think that's, uh, that, you know, and we're going to get to talking about grit, but I think part of uh, part of your success, I think, is, as leadership is the fact that you've been there and you have persevered through a lot of different positions in the steel industry to work yourself way up to the, the level of general management. And I think that automatically gives you a, a, a different view of the organization than, say, others that may have just come out of college and go right into a, some sort of a management position. So I think you, you have that unique background, which provides you, I think, better insight than maybe other leaders.
1: Yeah, it's always in the back of my mind. Um, I, I, I do something kind of interesting. My first tool pouch from my very first job in the steel industry has been in every office I've ever been to. I always set it somewhere where I see it, um, and it's just a, a visual reminder for me of what it was like, you know, what's it like to work shift work? What's it like to be, you know, out in the mill at 3 a.m. in the morning when your body's ready to shut down, but you still have work to do? Um, I try to keep those things in mind when I'm making decisions. How's this going to impact people mm-hmm. and and make decisions in light of that? So, um, yeah, I try to keep those memories fresh and alive.
0: Uh, that's really that's really good to hear, and that's really important to hear. Uh, I, you know, you and I have talked about this before. I think you credit a lot of your success uh, and, and to who you are as a person to how you were raised. Tell us a little bit about your, you know, how you grew up and, uh, a little bit about, you know, your father and his impact on you as, as, as a leader, as a person, because I think it's a really unique story. You know, we've talked about this before, you know, growing up in Pennsylvania and what that was like. So give us a little background of, of how you started your life.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting start. So my parents, um, you know, they started out, things were a little rough financially, didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, my dad bought a little farm farm uh, in South Central Pennsylvania. And that farm was uh, 250 years, or the house was 250 years old. The farmer used to store farm equipment in that house. And my dad decided to buy, buy this property. It was a small little farm. And um, he remodeled that house. And so uh, we didn't have a whole lot of money. No running water. First year there, took baths in the creek. We, we lived in one room. Uh, we had cots. We slept with sleeping bags. We'd wake up in the morning, fold the cot, put it on the side of the wall, pull out the table and, and then eat. And it was in a small little room. Wasn't, a, wasn't any bigger than than the place that I'm sitting in right now, this shed. So, so um, it was an interesting way to grow up. But, um, you know, I learned a lot there. Uh, my dad, then he got in with Caterpillar Company and started as an apprentice and worked his way up. Eventually in his career, he became a uh, plant engineer and was sent by Caterpillar to start a couple greenfield sites. So I got to see that as I was growing up. Um, I also got to see my dad working on the farm. So he would work, come home, and then there was always something that we were doing, remodeling the house, doing work. And so I learned a lot from him just trying to keep up with him. You know, <laughs> I, I tell people all the time, you know, when I went into the workforce, I thought, man, I'm going to have a hard time ca- keeping up with people because I just figured everybody worked like my dad did. Yeah. And um, and he instilled this work ethic in us, my brother and I, when we were real small, he had us out helping him do, do work. I can remember picking up cinder blocks where we were so little it would take two of us to pick up the cinder block for him. <laughs> and I think how patient would you have to be to have a, a six and an eight-year-old carrying cinder blocks to you for you to do the job? you know. So, but my dad always instilled that kind of stuff in us. So we had chores to do. There were things that needed to be done. Didn't matter if you were sick, if you didn't feel well you know, you, you, there was work that had to be done. Um, and so he instilled that ethic in us early on. He taught us so many lessons, my brother's in leadership also. So he taught us so many lessons that really helped us, uh, to lead later in life that, you know, we really just kind of thought, well, this is just how you do things. And, (laughs) and uh, so it was, um, Yeah, and so we went from there, and then, uh, you know, I went out into the, uh, I went to junior college. Uh, My dad paid for what he could. I paid for the rest, uh, just doing some work. Went out, joined the steel steel mill in 1988, and just kind of worked my way up from there. Um, Started carrying tools with that tool pouch I talked about, and uh, learned the maintenance side. Uh, eventually, I was in a in a in a mill where we were putting a new control system in, and I decided I want to learn how to roll. So I had a couple guys that taught me how to make the steel, and started leading projects to improve and doing some training and doing some things like that. And eventually, I was asked to become a supervisor. Never really thought about leading until that day when they said, "Would you like to be a supervisor?" and um, I remember going to a mentor of mine and saying, can you believe they asked me to be a supervisor? And he kind of looked at me like, well, that's you've been kind of leading. And I didn't really even put two and two together. Um, Started leading and eventually I got to the point where I was like, hey, I think I could make a career out of this. I enjoy it. Um, Getting some results. Went back to school. Got a bachelor's degree on top of my associate's degree and then from there just opportunities and and continued continued my career till I'm I'm here today. So um yeah, so that that uh that background though on the on the farm I learned more I I would say I learned more about leadership from my dad than than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um he just instilled a lot of you know neat lessons uh in our lives. So
0: yeah, you mentioned one just the idea of having a six and eight year old bring you cinder blocks. There's a there's a leadership lesson there, which is patience. And you know, we as leaders sometimes we are impatient. We want to do things ourselves because it's easier, quicker, what have you. And just to take the time and say, you know what, this is important for this young person to learn this lesson, and I'm going to wait uh, and and let them learn this lesson. And that, and having that having the patience to not do it yourself and allow somebody to learn and struggle, uh, is, is, is really an important leadership lesson right there. And he was teaching you a leadership lesson just by how you carried cinder blocks. I think that's really neat. And, uh, you know, I can, I can, def- I can see him teaching that lesson, right. You know, right now, just, in, just in my head, like as I, as I see that. So, cause I think, I think, uh, you know that's what i like about your story is because i think the the these lessons that we learn and we're going to talk about grit because you you learn this idea of hard work this perseverance just never never quitting um never making an excuse you know your dad said you know whether it doesn't matter if you're sick or if you were you know whatever you just continue to move forward you're poor you continue to move forward you're you're building something that you know you're you're in a house that shouldn't be a house right now but you're you persevere through it and i just love that. Um, now, what what do you what do you think how much of that drove you to continue to improve yourself because you could have been content with working uh, in maintenance working you know in in a non leadership role what you know what was it that drove you to say you know what I'm going to continue to get better myself I'm going to go back to school I'm going to I'm going to you know seek to improve myself in my career what 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 drove you through that
1: yeah there was um, you know I think. Um, one one of those things is i just saw opportunity to to make things better you know mm-hmm. when i started in the mill you know i i would see problems that were taking place on the floor and i would think you know if we could get a couple guys together we could probably put our minds together and and fix that and and make the make the place run better and so you know i went to the manager and said hey how about if i put together a team and and, and we address a few of these, these problems and we, and we did. And, and so, you know, you start, you start seeing these things, you know, one of those things that my dad always told my brother and I is, you know, if you see something that needs to be done Mm. and you have the ability to do it, just do it. Mm. And I did that even in the workplace, like it didn't, it, it was never about, is this my job or whatever it was, Hey, I see something. I think I could do something about it. I'm going to do something. And, and so we, we grew up with that. So that, that, that kind of just rolled over into, into work. And, and my dad always instilled in us that we should just, you should be, you should be the best that you can be with the gifts that God's given you. So, so we were always driven that way. And, and Even today, you know, I I say my mission statement is, you know, honor God, be true to the man in the mirror and be a rock for those around me. And and that that idea of just continuing to utilize the things that I've been given to the best of their ability has always been a driver in me. Um, And I think that instills that that grit. And the other side of it is, is that I I saw this thing and my dad. He was like, look, you, you know, you're not going to, you're, you're going to find yourself in life that there's going to be times you're not going to be, you know, you're not good, just going to walk out and be the best at something right away. And that's okay. Just keep working at it. Mm-hmm. And, and my dad instilled in me personally, he said, Jared, the one thing that you have going for you is that you just, you are willing to work hard. And you'll stay after it and keep working. And whether that was true or not, <laughs> he said it to me enough times that somewhere along the line it was either true that he saw before I did, or he just kept speaking that into me, and it became true. Yeah. One or the other. <laughs>
0: but, but, but either um, either way, isn't it a great isn't it a great leadership lesson, right? To you know to you know to to, to speak that in, and it becomes truth, right? As as you. As you Absolutely. as you hear it, you believe it, and you act on it, right? And and that's a great leadership lesson in and of itself.
1: Yeah, and when you when you experience that, you know, because throughout my leadership career, I, I think a lot about the things that I've experienced. And when you experience something like that, you start to realize, hey, that's a that's a really good thing, and and this is how I could help other people to improve is to to really recognize what are the strengths that this person brings to the table and to just continue to speak those things to those people, Mm -hmm. you know, to the people on your team. And that has been something that, you know, I experienced and I think about, um, you know, as a leader, you think about you, you, you gain lessons from good leaders. You've been around, you gain lessons from not so good leaders that you've been around. In both instances, I've often thought about how did that make me feel? How did that inspire me or move me forward or not? And so you learn those kinds of things. And that, and that certainly was one of them. You know, my dad spoke those strengths into us. And and you know, so you you kind of took pride in who you were and you wanted to continue to 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 drive that forward. So
0: I love that. I like what you said, too. You said, you know, why did you go into leadership? You said, well, I I saw opportunities to make things better. And, you know, there's a quote from Lisa Heisha, and I've got it in one of my books. It says that leaders choose leadership to make a difference, not to make money. And I think, you know, you spoke about your, you, you said your motivation to get into leadership was to make things better. And, and I, I think we see too few leaders choose the path of leadership for reasons to make things better. They do it for the money, for the, for the, you know, the, the corner office, the perks, the title, and they don't do it for the real reasons that you, that you choose leadership or you should choose leadership is that is to make a difference. And, and it seems like you, you start from the beginning of like, I'm in leadership because I want to make things better
1: yeah and that and that is that is a a driver for me. It always has been you know I've never chased a position I've never chased a position mm-hmm. i've I've always just i've i've felt like you know this is what I'm called to do. I'm called to lead, I'm called to teach, which is basically a coach yep. right and and so if if I feel like I can make a difference and I can make an impact and there's an opportunity in front of me where I could do that even more. I take it. I go. And and um, and so, yeah, that's always been the driver. It's how can I make this better? How can I make the organization better? How can I make the the team that that my team, how can I make them better, both as individuals and as a whole? You know, I get great satisfaction out of out of pouring into, you know, my team, the, the team around me. And seeing them succeed, seeing them achieve things they never even thought possible. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. such a gratifying thing. And to be able to pour into people, to speak those, those kinds of things into people and to open doors, open doors for people and make, make, make a way for them to achieve results they never thought possible. And that's always been, that stirs me inside.
0: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought,
1: John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. is your boss a jerk i understand you're in the hospital but i'm gonna need you to come in today do they lack any ability to actually lead people oh it's fine i'll, I'll just find somebody else that can do it okay john is offering a new service just for you for only ten dollars he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book i have the watch to your boss with a personal note go to i and enter the discount code boss at checkout Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer and emotional intelligence coach and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week
0: here on ElectricCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. ElectricCast. Yeah, you know, and and we're not going to get into specifics here, but you've had incredible success uh, leading turnarounds and uh, and and I know them because we've had private conversations. But you've had in, been incredible success um, performance that you you know people probably wouldn't believe in ter- if you told them. But you've had incredible success. So how have you led these turnarounds? What have you done? You know, we talked a little bit about you know you know you know unleashing people and 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 helping remove obstacles and motivating them. But how have you? motivated these ordinary people to, to produce such extraordinary results?
1: Well, you and I've talked about this before. I've done probably, I've been a part of, um, at different levels, manager level, most, mostly in the manager level, um, uh, general supervisor, we used to call them day shift supervisors, that, that I basically was over the shift supervisors, then at the manager level, and now at the general manager level. But, um so you go into a situation like this a lot of these turnarounds and you are the you're the new you're the new leader and um and you can read this a lot but but it's ap- absolutely true those first 3 months are the most critical for setting the tone for your leadership so it's really really important that you go in the right way um the thing that I would do all the time is I'm coming in on the ground, and I'm um, I want to get to know people. I want to understand the people, and I want to under, understand the the process. So, so what I would do is I would have one on ones with people. Um, at the same time, in parallel to that, I'd be studying any kind of data that I could study about the what's going on with the process. What kind of safety issues are we having? So I'm always looking at those two things in parallel for that first three months. But those conversations, those one-on-ones are the most critical piece in my mind. Um, I always, I include other, other questions to get to know people, but three critical questions that have always been a part of that process is, hey, if, uh, if you were a betting person, where is someone going to get hurt? so on the safety side, I want to understand what what big safety issues are sitting out there that we really need to get on top of quickly. Um, so I would always ask that question, and then I would ask two questions that that really helped me. one, what's one thing you wish would change that you think would make things better. and then the second question was, what's one thing you hope?" never changes. And so I asked those two questions for for reasons. The first question, what is one thing you wish would change that you think would make things better? You you would start hearing common themes. Every every time I've done this, there were one, two or three things that were that would come up all the time. And those things I took a hard look at them because that's an opportunity to gain momentum. Um, For example, in one place, the the work environment where where the guys were working in the mill, the floor was in really bad shape and it was a water issue and there were just, and so I attacked that problem right away. Um, We fixed that problem right away. And, And the crazy part about it was it was a problem that existed for years. And you could tell when people were telling you, they were like, all right, well, I'll tell you this, but (laughs) it's never been addressed before. So, okay. So, so you address that and, and that grabs people's attention and then they start to believe in who you are and, and what you're about. Um, One time it was a restroom in at the floor area that was in horrible shape. And i Got, got some people together and, and we totally gutted the thing out and redid and made it a nice, nice restroom. You know, sometimes it's little things that really don't take a whole lot of effort, but you can start gaining some momentum and some belief and people start to see, you know, I care about you. Mm-hmm. I care about this team. I want, I want to put you in a position that you do well, but I really need to show that you have value. Mm-hmm. Um and so addressing those issues the other question about what's one thing you hope never changes those are the things that when you're a new leader coming in if you grab one of those and try to change that in the first 3 months you will dig yourself in a hole that it'll take you a long time to dig out some cases you may never dig out and so you will lose a lot of leadership capital if you grab the wrong thing too early now, I've been in the case where a person raises an issue and says, I hope this never changes. In the back of my mind, I was thinking somewhere down the road, that's going to need to change.
0: Mm,
1: you're right, right. However, that I was not going to touch that in the first three, six months, unless it was an absolute critical issue. And then I was going to have to do a lot of communication on the front end as to why. OK, but um, so... Those questions were were very helpful to me. And, and even when I was studying the data, the conversations I had with people confirmed whether or not my insights were correct or not. Like you would study data and it would tell you, here's a problem, here's an issue, we're not performing well, the data is all pointing to this one issue. I would always go back to the people and confirm and try to get a feel for, okay, am I looking at this the right way? Because mm-hmm. the, the the teammates that I was leading, they were dealing with these things every single day. They knew details far beyond what I knew. And so I needed to confirm, am I targeting the right thing? Are is this really the opportunity to improve the process or not? Um, and so those are you know, and at the same time, you know, assessing leadership because I strongly believe that things, everything rises and falls on leadership. Um, you 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 have good leaders, and people will perform at much higher levels than they ever thought possible. If you have bad leaders, it can hold good performers down. And and so, um, those are the things that that I that you know, where I would focus when I came in? And those are the few of the questions. It's pretty simple, but it's been a, it's been a, um, uh, a key to, to the success that I've had. Yeah. and A lot of attention on listening to people.
0: Yeah. I see, you know, it's kind of funny because I see what it comes right down to is people right you're You come in, you're listening, First of all, you're showing people that you're actively listening. you you care, right? And you, that you care to listen. And then the second thing is you care to uh take action on on the things that you hear. And I think those are powerful things that leaders can do because I think a lot of a lot of new managers come into a role and they might be a little overwhelmed. They're trying to figure out their job. And so they spend a lot of time in their office with the door shut, um, you know, trying to figure out what their job is versus spending time with the people that actually know how to run the operation and how to get things done. So, you know, it's funny, uh, in my, similar in my career, I, I discovered that pro- that you don't really have to have all the answers, but you have to know how the right questions and be willing to listen and take action on, on, on the, on the ideas from your team. And I think that there's a humility associated with that that a lot of leaders don't have. And so that's uh it's interesting. So you know to get ordinary people to get extraordinary results, you you need to listen to those people. <laughs> it sounds like it got to start with start with the people and you can get the they, results.
1: <laughs> they often have the answers. Yeah. And and you know the answers I know you and I have talked about this before. You know, a lot of companies bring in consultants and what's one of the first things they do. Yeah. They go talk to the people. Yeah. And there is such a resource there that's available to leaders that is many times underutilized. Mm -hmm. And um, part of it is, is from my background. I experienced people that maybe they don't know exactly the technical term or something like that. But I've experienced a lot of really smart people that understood the operations over the years at the floor level. So I understand what kind of knowledge and experience is there. And to not tap into it is, is in my mind, it's a foolish thing for us as leaders not to tap into that resource because people understand. They understand it really well. I know you and I talked about this. I I use this example with my leaders all the time. Talk about the old guy driving the truck. Yeah. Right, and so I, I tell them two scenarios. I tell him the first scenario is that um, I'm a mechanic. This this old guy that drives this truck around his farm all the time, he comes to me, and he says, um, "You know, he he needs to get his truck fixed." Well, there's a couple different approaches here. One approach is I can come in and say, "Hey, I'm a mechanic. I've worked on a lot of trucks. I know what I'm doing. Just give me the keys." Well, I go and I fix the truck and give it back to him and doesn't take long. He's right back and says, you didn't really fix my truck. Well, the second scenario is the guy comes, brings me the truck and I say, hey, how about if you and I take a ride and you tell me about your truck? He drives, I ride in the passenger seat, we drive down the road and he tells me right away, you hear that rattle in the back? Yeah, that's not a problem. That rattle has been there for 10 years. It does not impact the way the truck drives. But when I make a right-hand turn up here, there's a thump in the front. That is new. And I know from experience that thump and eventually my truck's going to break down. That's what I need you to fix. And so a little bit of time listening to people. Will get will help you get focused on the real issues and the issues that are going to make the place run better. And too often we walk in, does the rattle in the back is is the rattle in the back a problem? Sure, it's a problem, but is it the critical problem? No, fixing it doesn't really impact the performance. And so I tell that little story because I'm kind of a simple guy. I try to keep things simple. Um, but I tell that story to my leaders all the time just to drive home the point that, hey, you really need to be engaged with the guys that are the guys and gals that are running this equipment every single day. They know details about it. They know how to make it run, how to make it really run. And they, they know what they need. And even if they don't know the right terminology, take what you bring into it, coupled with what they're saying, and boy, you can get great results.
0: I love it. That's such a great story. I'm glad you told it. I know we talked about it before. I have it on my list of like the truck story. I have my notes last time. We met. I love that story. It's a great analogy. Uh, and we always think we know better than, than the people actually operating the equipment. And I, I don't know why we think that as leaders. So listen to the people. They've got the answers. I love it. That's a great story. Um, tell us about um, you've got this uh, website, Men of Grit. And I love it. And you say that grit is the great equalizer and that grit makes average, normal, everyday men extraordinary. Why do you uh, how do you define grit and why is grit so important and how has it been important in your life?
1: Okay. so so um, great question. I love this question. Grit. um, I say it's the unstoppable drive to achieve results or outcomes despite resistance or obstacles. And. You know, I've seen this from growing up poor on a farm. You know, my dad's like, I watched my dad kind of overcome a lot of things. And I just saw that it was just hard work. He kept focused. He kept doing the things that would make him better and and would make his career better so that he could take care of his family. And so I saw that. He instilled that in me when I played sports and things like that. I was never the biggest guy. I was never the most talented but my dad always instilled and said, Jerry, you outwork everybody. Just keep your nose to the grind, keep working, and you'll get to where you want to go. And he was right. And I, I, would, I saw that. I saw that if I really got focused on the right things and kept working at it and stayed consistent and didn't allow the noise to distract me from the goal, if I stayed on it, that I could achieve things that I never thought possible. You know, here I am sitting as a general manager and my brother and I talk about it all the time. It's like, you know, where we started on the farm and we, we just kept kept going and kept working and kept working and kept working. And so, so I've seen that. And, um, you know, I I think for, for every person, you, You don't just because you're not the most talented or just because you you feel like maybe I didn't have the education that somebody else had or whatever that obstacle is. I tell people, you know, if you just if you identify the things that you want to do, the areas that you need to improve and you just do a little bit every day. At the end of the year, you're going to be a completely different person you are going to be way more effective at the thing that right now is awkward and difficult for you to do. And you just don't you're not in that groove. Just work at it a little bit. Work on what's right in front of you and stay after it. And so I, I've discovered this, you know, both career wise and um, and also on a personal level, you know, I found myself in a, on a personal level, not being where I wanted to be as a man and, and, and how I wanted to lead in my family and all those kinds of things. And I tackled those things and I said, hey, I need to be able to apply the same mindset um, to these things. And so I did. And out of that came this idea of men of grit, because I kept thinking about that. And I thought, what's the common theme from the beginning of my life? on the farm until now and there was no other word that seemed to fit except for grit grit was the word that just fit and and um i really gravitated to that word and that that definition it was just just be unstoppable stay after it don't give up Um, and you'll be able to achieve extraordinary results and i believe that
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do too. I mean, uh, you know, we have similar backgrounds in terms of how we grew up. And so, um, yeah, so I and, and I look back at my life and say, how did I get here? And it's just been through hard work, perseverance, never quitting and having a desire to make things better is similar to you. My my career has been my wife used to say, you're they're they're dragging you, kicking and screaming up the corporate ladder. It's like I didn't ask for my next job. I just got the next job because I was able to do do things. And uh and, and really at the end of the day, the secret was always tapping into people. And I think I think it's extraordinary. Your story is so so similar to mine. That's why I love love talking to you about it because you have such a such a such a such a powerful background, but you apply that to uh, to organizations, you get extraordinary results. And I think that's a great, great story. Jerry, how can people find out more about your website and uh, maybe link up with you on social media?
1: Yeah, I'm most active on Twitter at, um, at men underscore of underscore grit. And then my blog is menofgrit.blog. And so uh, those are the two places where where you'll find me and find some of my content.
0: Okay, great. And we're going to put links to that in the show notes. And and again, leaders, if you're listening into this, I, I really want you to encourage you to follow Jerry, follow some of the things he's writing about, talking about, because this is a person that is in the trenches. He's making it happen. He's doing it every day. Uh, if this is not theoretical stuff. This is real world. How do you get... Uh, how do you motivate people to get to do difficult things? Jerry's doing it. I highly encourage you to follow his uh, the follow the blog go on the website, follow the blog, follow him on social media and you're gonna learn how to be a better leader. Jerry, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing all of your background and 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 your successes.
1: You bet thank you, John. appreciate it.
0: For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Natureback podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.